Kevin Markwick. Lifeboat party from uh, Kid Creole and the Coconuts from Yonks Ago. Welcome, we're back. For another 13 weeks of the old and greedy. Thanks to Adrian Corpin for a super throw. Oh, I did it, didn't I? Thanks, Adrian, it was good. <laughs> Calm down, Kev. It'll be fine. Uh, I've been avoiding Breaking Bad all day. I haven't been on the internet. I felt like, um, you know, the uh, likely lads trying not to hear the football result. That's right, I've seen it now. So, on tonight's Frankly Packed show, we've got music from Vampire Weekend, London Grammar, Jake Thackeray. Remember, this is the inside of my head. So it's a little, a little strange place to be dwelling. Even some Tom Waits, if we have time. It's always time for Tom Waits. Now, the main theme for the upcoming shows, there's 13 of them. You, you can work out the uh, problem there in a second. 
is going to be the 1980s, the decade that tastes forgot. Not the 70s, like we all love, and all those great films from there, no, the 80s. I'll be taking through a year, a week, talking about the films with the highest grossing films that year, 8081. We're going to start with 1980, obviously, because this is the first show. See what I did there. Other stuff as well, uh, lots of music. It's quite a lot to get in, really, so let's get going. This is Policia.
Policia, Chain My Name. I don't know what Adrian and his guests have been doing in here, but it's about a million degrees centigrade. It's some uh, centigrade, some uh, Greco-Roman wrestling or something. Um, so please get in touch with the show. That's the important thing. I want to hear from you. You can hit me up on Twitter at Kevin Markwick. That's easy. Or you can uh, get hold of us on the Facebook page, The Kevin Markwick Show. If you go to Facebook, we're on there. You can even email the studio. Uh, email studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk. And apparently you can text as well. 800-10. Start your message with the word Uckfield. Although I... Well, yeah. Anyway, um... So we're uh, moving swiftly on because, like I said, we've got so much to do. But please get in touch. Please get in touch. This is Vampire Weekend. Every time I see you in the world, you always step to my girl. Teeth are out. What you on 
feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones. I'm stronger now. I'm ready for the house. Such a modest mouth. I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. Love's a love. The wisdom teeth are What you on about? I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones. I'm stronger now. I'm ready for the house. Such a modest mouth. I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. Every time you see me, you always step to my door. Warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. come back with a bang haven't they let's face it Franz Ferdinand right action
And these guys as well, they seem to come out of nowhere, or was I asleep?
you have to say they've done very well, backed by a um, very good marketing campaign. It kind of came out of nowhere. London Grammar. So, still to come. Uh, lots of film music, actually, uh, from Rush and from The Wicker Man and some other bits and pieces, which is quite exciting, as well as our 80s thang, which we're going to be doing kind of after the news. So you should stick around for that. I'm not sure how the timings are going to work out because I've not done it this way yet. So it could go horribly wrong anyway. Um, in the meantime... Uh, because we're going to go. Actually, this we're really going to start going off, off, uh, off road now. Really, here's uh, something I thought you might enjoy. Uh, it occurred to me the other day from the 1972 album uh, Bantam Cock. This is Jake Thackeray. <laughs> Upstanding bantam cock so brisk and stiff and spry With springy step and jaunty plume And a purposeful look in his eye In his little black blinking eye he had I took him to the coop And introduced him to my seventeen wide-eyed hens He topped and he topped as a hero tops And he bowed from the waist to them all and then he upped and he topped them all again, he did And then upon the piece of me ducks and me geese He rudely did intrude With glazed eyes and open mouths They bore it all with fortitude And a little bit of gratitude they did My giggling guinea fowl And forced his attentions upon My twenty hysterical turkeys And a-visiting my glum swan But the bantam thundered on he did He ravished my fantail pigeons And me lily-white columbines And while I was locking up the budget agar He jumped my parrot from behind she was sitting on my shoulder at the time And all of a sudden with a gasp and a gulp He clapped his hands to his head Fell flat on his back with his toes in the air My bantam cock lay dead And the vultures circled overhead they did What a champion brute, what a noble what a way to live and to die I was digging in my grave to save his bones From the hungry buzzards in the sky When the bantam opened up a sly little eye He gave me a grin and a terrible wink The way that rapists do He said, you see them big daft buggers up there They'll be down in a minute or two one of the most original artists of all time, Jake Thackeray from 1972 and the album of the same name, Bantam Cock, which I believe is no longer available, although you can get it on uh, compilation CDs. Uh, 
Robert Fawkes has got a new album out. Um, he's a kind of, what they call him, alternative country, whatever that means. It's called Gone Away Backward. And this is a great track called I'll Trade You Money for Wine. is all a body needs some days the bottle drains dry pockets of change don't drive my worry down diamonds don't make me shine it's a short life and a long time underground i'll trade you money for wine Towns from a long black Lincoln boys back when copper was king. Ten years I've stood on the same old corner, boys. I never won for a thing. Pockets of change don't drive my worry down. Diamonds don't make me shine. It's a short life and a long time underground. I won't trade your money for wine. Walk on by The banker He spares a quarter For my cup His trouble's deeper than mine That way Life boys There ain't gold enough I'll trade you money Folks, turn your mic up, Kev. Radio 101. We'll be back after this. Late evenings on Uckfield FM with UckfieldYoga.com, offering yoga classes for all abilities. Call Grace on Uckfield 763 591. 
I was lucky enough to see a couple of films last week. Uh, one of them, I can't... I was going to try and play some music, but uh, it doesn't seem to exist as a soundtrack yet. Uh, that's probably because the film doesn't come out till next year. I know it's showing off a bit, but it's an extraordinary film called 12 Years a Slave, which I think is probably going to win every award going... Um, new one from Steve McQueen, the guy who gave us Shame and Hunger. Um, uh, and it is... Uh, uh, Chetiwil Ejiofor and Michael Fassbender and it's just uh, quite extraordinary and Hans Zimmer's written the music which is <laughs> I was a bit worried when I saw Hans Zimmer but you've never heard such a restrained score from Hans Zimmer so I'm I'm actually going to reappraise him I'll play some more Hans Zimmer in a minute um, the other film I saw was an extraordinary Italian picture uh, La Grande Bellezza or The Great Beauty which uh, is directed by Paolo Sonentino um, who gave us Il Devo and uh, The Consequences of Love, which is one of my favourite films. It's uh, it's very kind of Fellini-esque and, um, you know, it's Rome is as much a, a character as uh, Tony Savillo as um, this kind of hedonist. Um, it's, it's set really... I think it's a bit of a satire on the Berlusconi years if we want to get heavy about it, but the use of music is absolutely extraordinary. So I thought... Um, and I, I, I want to see it again. It was one of those films, as soon as I saw it, I wanted to see it again. It's one of the most beautiful things passing in front of your eyes. And actually, Cheney Kent, who is um, going to be on the show in a couple of weeks doing his thing, like he did in the last series, he's actually written a very interesting thing about the music in The Great Beauty. If you go and look at his blog uh, under the nom de plume frame scourer, I'll try and find a, a URL for you and post it up. But uh, one of the pieces of music used on the end credits particularly, I don't think it appears in the rest of the film, it might, I don't know, um, is called uh, Beatitudes. It's this very sort of gentle trip down the uh, down the river through the centre of Rome. Um, and it's a piece of music by uh, Vladimir Martinov and played brilliantly by the Kronos Quartet. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think.
It's called The Beatitudes. By Vladimir Martinov, played by the Kronos Quartet, as used in uh, La Grande Bellezza, The Great Beauty, which is uh, actually going to be the official Italian entry for Best Foreign Language Picture this year at the Academy Awards. It kind of got a mixed reaction at Cannes, I seem to remember. But I loved it. It's why we love cinema. Pure, pure cinema, passing before your eyes. So now we're going to move on uh, from the sublime to the occasionally sublime. <laughs> Here's part of uh, Hans Zimmer's bonkers and uh, actually really rather good score for one of the best films of the year so far, Rush.
What do you think? Mm, that's part of Hans Zimmer's score for Rush. That track's called Mount Fuji. So I'm assuming it's the part of the Japanese Grand Prix. I don't know. You see, that's why I get the big bucks, because I can work these things out. Uh, have you seen Rush? Let me know at Kevin Markwick on Twitter or hit me up on the Facebook page, uh, The Kevin Markwick Show. You can find us there. Uh, you can email us at studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk. You could uh, throw messages at the window. You could send a pigeon of some description. Anything, <laughs> just get in touch. Um, Rush, fantastic, absolutely brilliant film. I think they really did capture that, actually. They captured the whole Formula One thing and uh, the American director didn't uh, didn't muck it up at all, Ron Howard. Uh, and it technically counts as a British film. It's a, it's a very much an independent British film made outside of the studio system. And so I think that's something that we can, uh, we can all be proud of. Now, I was going to go through some uh, Blu-ray releases, but they're a bit thin on the ground this week. There's nothing that interesting. Uh, the best one, and actually rather good, is the director's cut, again, a final director's cut of The Wicker Man, the 1973 British horror film uh, directed by Robin Hardy, which uh, has achieved cult status. I seem to remember when I was a kid, it went out as a, um, went out as a second feature. Mm, we play, what did we play? I think it was with Don't Look Now, actually, we ended up playing uh, playing it with. But um, over the years, it's, it's, it's maintained its uh, reputation and become a cult film. And this, according to the director, Robin Hardy, this Blu-ray release is the absolute definitive version uh, with Christopher Lee, uh, extraordinarily mad performance by Edward Woodward. Certainly wasn't underplayed, I didn't think. Diane Cliento, Ingrid Pitt, of course, and Britt Eklund slapping the wall in a mad, naked fury. <laughs> I think they used a, a body double. I'm not sure for that one. Anyway, um, this is a track called uh, Gentle Johnny, which is one of the uh, sort of spooky songs they're all singing. Yeah. 
Johnny from the seminal The Wicker Man, uh, which has just been reissued on Blu ray, and apparently the definitive version, you know, like Blade Runner, <laughs> that is a definitive version. They'll keep making us buy it. That's my my uh, my my um, theory. Now, uh, the other thing, of course, is there was a remake, and don't ever, ever, ever go anywhere near that, okay? So, taking us up to the news, not a film thing at all. I just had a sudden urge <laughs> to play you some Osric Tentacles. Has there been Osric Tentacles on Upfield FM before? It might have been. I'm not sure how to describe it. But have a listen. So, after the news... It's the 1980s, we're going back. I'm going to put on my uh, shoulder pads and my red braces. Grow my hair long at the back. Graham. Get a very, very large mobile phone. Oh, I said it like a mobile phone ad. Anyway, this is called Mooncalf. Enjoy.
Forwards, backwards, sideways. But when it comes to time, we are prisoners. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. You maniac! You blew it up! God damn you! God damn you all to hell! Must be some kind of hot tub time machine. Yeah, hot tub time machine. Okay, here goes nothing. <laughs> I don't know how the timings are going to work out. It might work, it might not. I'm kind of making this up as I go along. However, here we are. Uh, our time time trunks have brought us back to 1980, and what we're going to do each week is take a year. And uh, 1980, 81... Now, there are 13 shows. Have you seen the floor in my plan there? So that leaves us three at the end. Any ideas what we should stick in? No, probably not. Here we go, then. So what was happening in 1980? Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister. The steelworkers were on strike. And while unemployment hit 1.9 million... Oh, blimey. That's nothing, is it? And John Lennon was murdered in New York. 
Uh, the Summer Olympics were in Moscow, but the Americans didn't show up. Uh, Dan Air Flight 1008 crashed in Tenerife, killing all 146 occupants. Still the worst air disaster involving a British aircraft. A uh, cheery start to the decade. I seriously actually had any trouble finding any good news at all. Films and music were the only respite, really, from such unrelenting grimness, it would appear. Uh, 1980 also saw the start of the indie singles chart, and the first number one was Spiz Energy, Where's Captain Kirk? Other hits that year included uh, Brass in Pocket, The Pretenders, Ashes to Ashes, David Bowie, and rather depressingly, Coward of the County by Kenny Rogers. It was number one. Hang your heads in shoe. Uh, on telly was Blake Seven or Creatures Great and Small, and the British record TV audience for a film was set when some 23.5 million people tuned in for the ITV showing of the James Bond film Live and Let Die, which incredibly was made in 1973. You know, it was like seven years old. Can you imagine? How things have changed there. So what were we going to see at the pictures in 1980? There were three sequels in the top films that year. And this one was at number nine. For some reason, I couldn't find out number ten. <laughs> That's how low budget we are. Yep, Rocky 2. Actually, as sequels go, it wasn't too bad. Even if it did rerun this sequence almost shot for shot. Uh, it also uh, started to ratchet up the soapy melodrama somewhat as Adrian, Adrian goes into a coma and survives only through the use of montage. And Rocky's inability to cope with sudden fame. I know how he feels. Uh, presumably this is reflecting Stallone's similar meteoric rise from Zero to Hero. It's easy to forget that uh, after so many sequels, um, I think we've got five, was it five or six? That the original was a massive critical and box office success. Winning three Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director. And of course, Bill Conti's score was kind of uh, iconic, really. If 
funny it was possible to get fit to a montage. Wouldn't it be brilliant? So it grossed £1.6 million, which, trust me, is not much by today's standards. We do that in Upfield at the weekend. May not be true. No, I don't want to. Oh, it was going so well. Oh, really? Okay. No, actually, the number eight film, that was something else entirely. The Elephant Man, uh, set in 19th century London and directed by David Lynch was the true story of Joseph Merrick, although for some reason he was called John in the film. I thought he was called John anyway. Merrick was uh, grossly deformed, a grossly, a, a grossly deformed man living in a circus freak show run by the brutal and cruel Mr Bites. comes to the attention of Sir Frederick Treves, a surgeon at the London Hospital, and they eventually form a deep friendship when Treves saves Merrick from the evil bites. Produced by Mel Brooks, of all people, and shot in shimmering black-and-white cinemascope by the great Freddie Francis, it boasted major performances by John Hurt, Anthony Hopkins as Merrick, and Treves, respectively. Certainly one of most, uh, Lynch's most accessible films. But as this narrative has a beginning, a middle, and an end. <sighs> Unlike some of the others. And the actors stay the same. Far more restrained, in other words. Uh, and actually, the evocation of Victorian London is perfect. Uh, it's not a picture postcard like, say, Oliver, uh, but far more dirty and industrial, sort of sooty tones. And the score by long-time's, uh, long-time Mel Brooks collaborator John Morris is equally evocative. Uh, this is part of his score, obviously. Set that play for a bit.
is a spine-tingling payoff, isn't it, at the end? Part of John Morris's score for uh, David Lynch's picture, The Elephant Man, uh, which was the number... <laughs> six film. <laughs> oh, it's unravelling already. Uh, in uh, 1980, and it grossed £3.7 million totally. Ooh. So, uh, can we gloss over number seven, please? It's hard for Ooh! So that makes Elephant Man eight, doesn't it? <sighs> Another sequel. Any which way you can. <sighs> it was a limp, reactionary load of old tosh and a follow-up to the massive Every Which Way But Loose, which, incidentally, was the first film to play in our brand-new Screen 2 in 1978. Uh, Clint Eastwood plays Philo Bedo, who has a pet orangutan. There you go. That's the plot for you. And he falls in love and out of love. Was a hit, though. 4.3 million at the UK box office and the fifth highest grossing film in the United States. So there you go. What do I know? Uh, we'll have one of these. And when we come back, uh, some really good stuff from uh, Dudley Moore. So you're listening to Kevin Markwick. Uh, I'm doing a bit of a trawl through 1980 because that's the plan for this new series. Okay, how many times do you want me to say it? We're going to take a year uh, at a time, 1881, for the whole series. Um, so we're at number six, um, and that was ten. <laughs> number six was ten. Uh, a huge hit midlife crisis comedy with Dudley Moore and Bo Derek. Uh, oddly, an ex certificate at the time. Not sure why. Um, don't think there was any drugs in it, not that I remember. Maybe alcohol, I don't know. Anyway, it would barely get a 12A today. Uh, it benefited from the presence of the agreeable Moore, who brings a grounded delivery to the dialogue that may have sounded less sympathetic in another actor's hands and makes us empathise with George Webber, despite his problems being decidedly first world, uh, living as he does in Beverly Hills and hobnobbing with the rich and famous. Still, director Blake Edwards, a Hollywood native if ever there was one, is confident with his own script and gives a slapstick and pathos in equal measure um, I showed it a lot of times it kind of stuck in my mind really uh, George is a successful songwriter just turned 40 which was a bit depressing when I worked that out the other day <laughs> I was what 18 when I showed that oh dear oh dear anyway he becomes bewitched by the much younger Bo Derek and runs from his life with singer Sam played by Julie Andrews um, he follows Derek to Mexico, where she's on a honeymoon. Of course, George learns that the dream is always unattainable and that the real people we love are far more important in our lives. Uh, it was inevitable. He was going to learn that, really, wasn't it? But it was quite fun watching him get there. Um, towards the end, blooded and just a little bit wiser, George sits down in the bar of the hotel in Mexico, puts down a tape recorder and makes a recording of a new song for his uh, lyricist back in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, it's a poignant moment and it showcases both... Henry Mancini's wonderful music and Dudley Moore's super piano playing uh, and, and good script writing, you know? It's the whole film right there in one scene. This is the new one, Hugh.
It's beautiful. There you go, Dudley Moore uh, playing the piano beautifully. Uh, Henry Mancini's music, it's easy to say, from 10, which goes £4.6 million at the UK box office in 1980. Uh, obviously, Dudley Moore being British certainly helped it along. Um, and the following year, he would hit the stratosphere with Arthur, which uh, became a massive global hit and turned him into a superstar, really. Uh, classic comedy at number five. Mm, there's little you can say about Airplane other than if you haven't seen it, then why the hell not? And if you have seen it, you've almost certainly seen it ten times at least. 4.9 million at the UK box office. Uh, number four now. Yeah, you'll recognise that. Gross £6.25 million. Pounds. A bright and breezy, bonkers bit of fluff directed by uh, British great Mike Hodges. The obvious choice after making Get Carter. And ironically, the second film of the year to feature Sam Jones, ex-football player. Uh, he's the husband in Ten. Well, both Derek's husband in Ten. That was his big year, that was, 1980. And he had the hair to prove of it. Mostly remembered now for Brian Blessed shouting, Gordon's alive! Had a great cast, including Timothy Dalton, Topol, and Peter Duncan from Blue Peter. Standouts, though, were uh, Peter Wingard as Clytus, the henchman, and Ingmar Bergman, regular. Max von Sydow as Emperor Ming. Also boasted a bombastic score by uh, rock group Queen, which was a massive seller. Which brings us to the top three. If Airplane has been beyond analysis, then the com comedy at number three has now achieved uh, a biblical kind of reverence. And I say that without any irony at all. Cheer up, Brian. You know what they say? Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grumble. Give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. Aye. Always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing and always look on the bright side of life. Come on! Always look on the right side of life. For life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance, anyhow. So always 
Always look on the bright side of death Just before you draw your terminal breath Monty Python's The Meaning of Life was the second Python film after Holy Grail and by far their biggest hit. Controversy uh, converted to box office as religious people went nuts without actually having seen it. No change there then. Uh, in Upfield, actually, we cleaned up <laughs> as all the other councillors in the area dithered over whether they would allow it to be shown. We took a fortune. I remember we had a letter from the local bishop, confident we would use our own judgment. Yeah, right. A work of undeniable genius, Life of Brian Gross, uh, 6.9 million at the UK box office. Now, uh, oh, the time is... Yeah, we're not doing too badly. OK, so there was acting all over the place at number two. Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep starring Kramer versus Kramer. Story of a divorce and a father's fight to keep his son. Directed by uh, Bonnie and Clyde screenwriter Robert Benton. Real Oscar bait. Cleaned up at the Oscars. Best picture, best director, best actor... And Best Supporting Actress for Meryl Streep. Which seems a bit harsh. She'd go and win another 20-odd Oscars anyway, wouldn't she? Anywho. Uh, I think what made it seem different was... Uh, um, it was a male character that wanted to be more involved with his child's day-to-day -day life. I don't think we'd seen that before, had we? In not a dissimilar way to Tootsie, a couple of years later, Hoffman plays against gender type to teach us uh, something about our prejudices. If that's not too highfalutin a thing. Of course, it's all very well done, an academy bait of the highest order. I seem to remember it was the uh, first time we took advanced bookings in Upfield. Posh film, you see. Huge hit for us in the rest of the country, grossing 8.3 million at the UK box office. And also made very popular this uh, mandolin, con mandolin concerto in C major by Vivaldi. Brings us to number one. The number one film at the UK box office in 1980. 
in some sort of half-arsed attempt at a cliffhanger. I'll tell you after this. So it's Kevin Markwick here, trawling through 1980, uh, which was a reasonable year. I mean, a couple of classics there, you have to say. But uh, the number one film, the film most people went to see in the UK in 1980 was The Empire Strikes Back, of course, the granddaddy of all sequels. Well, almost. Godfather 2 is probably the greatest sequel of all time. Or Toy Story 2, yeah, okay, whatever. Anyway, proving that with a good story and a script by a top-draw writer like Lawrence Kasdan, if you don't let George Lucas direct, then magical things happen. Uh, rather than give you the one you probably expected to hear, this is uh, Beautiful, Beautiful, Han and Leia by John Williams from the top-grossing film of 1980 at the UK box office, The Empire Strikes Back.
Kevin Markwick. 105 Uckfield FM. Mighty gold frat. Ooh, that. So, what do you think of the 80s thing? Yes or no? Let me know at Kevin Markwick on Twitter. Kevin Markwick Show on the Facebook page. On the Facebook. Is that right? I demand you tell me, good or bad. So, we're counting down now to the end of the show with some really good music. Here's Volcano Choir.
Volcano Choir, Comrade. Volcano Choir, of course, uh, contains Bonniver's Justin Vernon, you may have recognised. It's lovely stuff. I was just looking, actually, there were other films in the 80s as well. I should have mentioned those, shouldn't I, if I was doing my job properly. Mad Max, of course, Blues Brothers, The Shining. I mean, really? Why wasn't that in the top ten films? Really? And Raging Bull, one of the greatest films ever made. And Fame. Fame wasn't one of the greatest films ever made. Here's the Smoke Fairies.
said that enough i don't know i like that though that's really good um what they called smoke fairies uh, ta- uh no it's not uh, living with ghosts oh you see you've heard me do this before check the end of your ujars kev because they have a tendency to do that um what else are we thinking about oh those films yeah fame wasn't that bad actually i was a big big fan of alan parker back in the day um midnight express uh shoot the moon that was have you seen that that's a mad film um and obviously pink floyd the wall birdie angel heart we thought angel heart in 1987 was the coolest thing we'd ever seen uh anyway so oh, that caught me unaware i felt like i was getting slick 
uh, right up until that moment. Um, hello, Jamie Wilcox, listening in Upfield. This is for you. If you've not heard any Tom Waits before, if you keep listening to this show, you're going to hear a lot of it. From 1985, Rain Dogs. Seminal stuff. Okay, that's it. It's pretty much over. I'm going to play you one mighty, mighty, enormous, great, mighty track uh, on the other side of this, and then it'll be over. So that's it. And I've only got barely less than half of this track to play you before we finish. The wonderful explosions in the sky. The only moment we are alone. I'll see you next week uh, with 1981. That comes after 1980, doesn't it? Yeah, even I can do that with my CSE maths. Anyway, it's been great having you. Thank you for coming. I love you all. uh, And I'll see you next week. Okay, bye.